0: My name is Jeff. I am one of the pastors here, and it's my privilege to open up the Word of God with you all this morning. Uh, full disclosure, was not planning on opening the Word of God with you this morning, um, not because we don't like the Bible, but someone else was supposed to be preaching, Pastor Nate, our other pastor here, uh, was scheduled to preach. He woke up with no voice this morning, and so you get me. So there you go. And I just mention that so that you are not... Uh, thank you. Um, <clears> thank <throat> you. Just not, I don't want you to be surprised by maybe the relative brevity of this sermon compared to the <laughs> normal sermons that we have here, uh, and certainly if there's anything uh, good and helpful that comes out of this sermon, uh, rest assured that it's due to Nate's labor in the word and prayer this week. He graciously shared his notes with me, and so we will carry on. We finished up last week our sermon series on Galatians and we're moving now starting today into the gospel of John <clears throat> and for these first for the for the 4 weeks in February each of the Sundays in February we're going to be looking at a passage in John that has to do with four elements of discipleship and those four elements are hearing repenting believing and following. It's essentially four key characteristics or components of being a disciple of Jesus. Hearing him, repenting of sin, believing the gospel, and following Jesus. And so, and after that happens, after those four Sundays, we are going to be uh, starting at John 1.1, starting the first Sunday in March, and they're going to be in the gospel of John for a good long while. So that's kind of the, the way ahead. This morning, if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to John chapter 10, and that's going to be our text for this morning, We're going to be in John 10, the first, <clears throat> excuse me, the first 18 verses. Of John. And I'll mention this too, is that for these four four weeks, this kind of short intro to John, uh, we are going to have a um, little study guide that you can pick up. There's a table outside the door there with some printed off paper. Um, There's a little bit of introduction to the series. And on the first page, on the front page and the back page, is a summary of today's text and some questions to just reflect on this week and some prompts for you to guide your prayer this week. And we're going to have a a piece of paper like that, a guide for each of the four Sundays in this month. So if you didn't grab one on the way in, feel free to grab one uh, on the way out and take it with you and look for it next week as well. All right, John chapter 10. And again, this week we are considering hearing the call of Jesus. And so if you're there, please follow along with me. I'm going to read John 10, <clears throat> verses 1 through 18. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Let's pray to start our time. Father, we are so grateful for your word. and We confess we are often dull to your word or not excited by your word, or overly familiar with your word, and so we we neglect it and we take it take it for granted. But Lord help us this morning and tomorrow and the next day and the next day by your spirit to hear you, to hear you through your word. Remind us of how you have called us to yourself. And bring joy and peace to our life, knowing that you are our shepherd. We ask that you'd help us to behold wondrous things out of your law, out of your word this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So, the image of sheep and shepherd provides us with an intimate look at who Jesus is and how he relates to us. This idea of Shepherds and sheep has some rich scriptural history. Uh, We have both positive and negative examples of shepherds. We have quite a positive example of a shepherd in Psalm 23, a shepherd who leads the sheep, who feeds them, who protects them, who comforts them. And we have a negative example of shepherd or shepherds in Ezekiel 34. And there the leaders of Israel are called shepherds, but not in a glowing way. They fed themselves and not their people. They ignored the sick and the injured, and they neglected to protect the people from evil or to guide them to the Lord. And so by picking up on this theme of sheep and shepherds, Jesus positions himself as the embodiment of the good shepherd from Psalm 23 and the replacement or the antithesis of the wicked shepherds in Ezekiel 34. And he shows himself to be the shepherd who calls us, and we are the ones who hear his voice and respond to his call. And so to learn how to hear and to respond to the call of Jesus, we can pick up on distinct elements in his word. And three of those that we're going to see this morning... As we think about the call of Christ, first is the exclusivity of his call, the second is the mercy of his call, and then third, the abundance of his call. The exclusivity, the mercy, and the abundance of the call of Jesus So first, let's consider that Jesus' call is an exclusive one. There are many competitors who call out for our attention, who call for us to follow them, promising us the good life, urging us to follow them to achieve all that we think we need or want in this life. But in John 10, Jesus asserts his exclusivity. There are not many ways to God, there are not many ways to a good life. There is one way. Jesus, he, he is the door to the sheepfold, where all the sheep, the people of God, are gathered and protected and are kept. And he is the shepherd, the one who leads and guides and protects those sheep. And he is the door, and he is the shepherd, because he was and is the lamb, the spotless, perfect lamb of God who sacrificed himself for us to take away our sins and make us part of his flock. And there's no other way to be reconciled to God. The call is to receive and rest in his provision for us. And so this call of Jesus, this call to believe the gospel, to receive it, and to rest in it, in one sense, it's a general call that goes out to all people across the world. Untold masses have heard about Jesus, have heard the gospel, have been called to repent and believe in Christ. So in one way, it's general, it's widespread, it's universal. But in another sense, the call of Jesus is specific. And it's personal. Jesus calls specific people by name to join his flock, to receive his grace, and to follow him as Lord. We'll point to a couple of examples here in John 10. In verse 3, we read, we hear, The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out by name personal. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Verse 16, they will listen to my voice. And then jumping on to verse 27, which we didn't read, he says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So Jesus calls specific people to himself. And this call of Jesus can be unsettling to us when we, are, when we come face to face with the holiness of God, his majesty, his transcendence. And we also come face to face with our unholiness, our sin, the ways we fall short. Remember how Isaiah responded when he was given a vision of God on the throne And how did he respond? He cried out, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people with unclean lips. Isaiah knew what his sin deserved. His sin should have kept him from being within the presence of a holy God. The very thing that he wanted the most was the very thing he was not worthy to receive. And so like Isaiah, we need grace. We need, we need mercy. We need a merciful shepherd. And so there's not just exclusivity in the call of Jesus, but there's also mercy in the call of Jesus. In verses 3 and 4, we see that The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. The good shepherd leads his sheep. He goes out in front of and before his sheep. Shepherds at this time, ancient shepherds, they would have been out in front of their flock Going before them, testing out the terrain, seeing what dangers might be coming at them from beasts or robbers, thieves. They were the first line of defense to protect their flock from any harm that might come before them. And this is what Jesus does He goes out in front to lead us, He shows us how to live, He is our perfect example. We are to follow him in what he does and what he did and live our life according to how he lived. But he is not just merely a good example for us. He certainly is that. But he is not just that. He is much more than someone that we should just aspire to be. For the good shepherd, as we read throughout this chapter, <clears throat> came to lay down his life for the sheep. This is the very purpose for which he came to sacrifice himself in the place of his people, to serve as our representative through his perfect life, his sacrificial death, victorious resurrection, and his glorious ascension. A good shepherd would only sacrifice his life if the sheep were truly in danger, if they were in mortal danger, if their life was at stake. And we are in mortal danger apart from Jesus. Without him, we are as good as dead. Turn to you. You don't have to turn there. You can just listen. Ephesians chapter 2, the first three verses of that chapter describe who we are and what we are and what our condition is and what our state is apart from God. And it's not a good situation So we are are in mortal danger. We are dead apart from Christ. That is what's in front of us. That's the danger that's in front of us. But we see what Christ does, and we see what union to Christ does in the next verses, in verses 4 through 7. So we don't stay dead if we are in Christ. We read, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, Are ours if we are united to Christ, our good shepherd, by faith. He laid down his life for us so that our life may be saved. That Jesus brings us mercy is certainly one of the treasured gems of the Christian faith throughout history. It lies at the core of Jesus' ministry and his message. But that mercy is just the beginning. Not only is Jesus' call merciful to us, but it is also meant to lead us into a life of abundance. And so we've seen how his call is exclusive, it's merciful, and it is also abundant. If someone were to ask you what an abundant life looks like, what might you say to them? Is it health and wealth and prosperity? Is it power and comfort and control? Is it a nice house, stable job, loving friends, loving family? Certainly and obviously none of these things are bad in and of themselves. But the Gospel of Luke reminds us that life does not consist of an abundance of possessions. And the Gospel of Mark tells us that we may need to give up our family and our friends and our security and what we have to follow Jesus. So the abundance that Jesus brings does not necessarily match up with what the world defines as abundant or what an abundant or good life might be. But the abundance of Jesus does match up with how God created us to live, how he designed us to live as his image bearers. We are not designed to be our own shepherds. We are not designed to rely on our own strength or protection. We are not designed to be lions in and of ourselves. We are designed to be lambs, to be sheep, to be led by a good shepherd, following him and depending on him for all that we have and all that we need. So when we encounter something in God's word that contradicts our definition of what a good life is, what an abundant life is, we come to a decision point. And so we have to ask ourselves, will we trust our shepherd? Or will we trust or rely on something else to shepherd us? The abundant life is the life to be lived. Following Jesus, no matter how hard, it's never boring, it's never dull. You may wake up one morning and find out you have to preach a sermon in a couple hours. <laughs> now, the abundant life in Christ brings us great depths of joy as we experience the fading decay of our selfish desires and the flourishing growth of selfless love that responds to God's will. Dying to ourself, living to Christ, loving and serving others just as he did, that's where abundance and joy and goodness flow from. It's often counter to what we expect, though. It conflicts, it conflicts with our definitions of happiness, excitement, meaning, and purpose. It can. But the abundant life that Jesus brings is a life that is patterned after our original design, to be image bearers of God to his creation, to be fruitful and to multiply and to fill the earth and to subdue it and have dominion over it and to build things to represent Christ in all that we do and all that we say, to make his name glorious throughout the world. And ultimately, the abundant life is summed up Later, in John 10, verses 27 through 28, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And then hear this, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. This is what the abundant life is in these two verses. It's following Jesus, and it's eternal life. It's never perishing. It's safety in the hands of our Savior. No one can snatch us out of that flock, out of that sheepfold, because Jesus has put us there. He will keep us there, and he will protect us. We have safety. We have life. This is what abundance looks like. This is what goodness looks like. To be a sheep is both humbling, but it is also a great honor. It's humbling because sheep are not the brightest creatures. Um, I don't know if you've seen, it's like a seven or eight second clip that makes its way around social media every once in a while, but it's person who's digging a, uh, a sheep or a lamb out of this like, narrow little ditch or ravine, pulls them out, and within about one and a half seconds later, that sheep is starting to run off and then jumps right back into the same ditch it was in. And obviously, will need to be pulled out again. And so that's funny, except when it's us. Because <laughs> that's, who, that's who we are. We are dependent, we're needy, we're defenseless, And we're often making foolish decisions that require Jesus to consistently rescue us and pull us out of that ditch and put us back on the right path. So it's humbling to be called sheep and to realize that we are sheep. But it's also a great honor to be one of God's sheep because it implies that we are his treasured possession Shepherds do not despise their sheep. They love them and take great delight in them. And they care and provide and lead them. And this is how God reveals his love for his people. For just as a good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep, Jesus, the Son of God, laid down his life for us and to be our good shepherd. We mentioned at the beginning how Jesus is the fulfillment, is a picture of the good shepherd that we read about in Psalm 23. And so we're going to close by hearing the words of that wonderful psalm. But regardless of how you you came in this morning, how you are feeling this morning, what troubles you are experiencing, what pain you are feeling, what uncertainties in your life that you face, Let these words refresh and comfort your soul this morning. Hear them and take comfort. This is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Please pray with me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life, and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father, those are sweet, sweet words to hear. For many of us are either right now or have in the past or will in the future walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But we have no need to fear, for you, our good shepherd, are with us. You are leading us, you're protecting us, you're guiding us, you're correcting us. And you demonstrated this love and compassion and care for us most fully in your life, in your death, and your resurrection for us as our representative so that we are no longer slaves to sin, slaves to our life in Adam, dead in our trespasses and sins, but rather we've been transformed, we've been transferred into your family, been given new men, new women, regenerated hearts and souls who love you who serve you, and are able to obey you. So, Lord, help us to follow you. Help us to trust you. Forgive us for when we do not trust you, when we stray, when we jump into the ditch again and again. But, Lord, we rest in your faithfulness, in your steadfast love toward us. You are good. You are merciful. You are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And we take comfort in that, Lord. We pray these things in Christ's name, amen.